two. Should we say it's season two? Yeah, hell yeah. Yeah, 20. yeah it's season two. Season two, 2020, uh, after COVID. During COVID. Uh, I'm Chris. This is Sean. This is Katie. And uh, we're recording, observing all social distancing rules, you know. Uh, Katie just cleaned all her groceries. In a very obsessive manner. There's no distance between anyone when the internet exists. We're all together. Yeah. It's I, the I, dream. I can't, it's just so hard for me to tell if I should buy into what the so-called experts say about, you know, washing your broccoli with soap and water <laughs> and leaving the bags Le- outside. And I, I don't know. It's, it's really confusing. Oh, there are all these videos of people like, oh, yeah, leave everything on your porch for like five days right. and then <laughs> and then bring it in. It's like, hold on. They're, these things are definitely not made for people who live in New York. No. Yeah, I see. Well, I see my neighbor leaving her tote bags um, outside, and I followed suit. I took the oh. grocery bags inside and put them in into the garbage once they were empty. But the IKEA bags that hold the groceries are still sitting out there. But mm. I, after we record this podcast, I'm going to spray it down. You know, before I bring it inside. Question no one's rituals. We must all do what we can to stay sane. Yeah. I mean, yeah, we're basically all going fucking crazy here. Yeah. <laughs> well, thankfully, none of the base camp beta uh, hosts are ill. So seemingly we're, we're, we're seemingly yeah. some aspects, right? Well, I, there is the uh, belief among me and, and my partner, Maya, that we may have already had this. Yeah. Um, a couple months ago um, in February. Uh, that's, that's possible. I mean, it was it was active. I know, and it, when we, because we got really, really sick at the same time, and we basically were just uh, in bed for about like four or five days, just totally knocked out. And at the time, it was like all the coronavirus news was just kind of coming out, and we were like, "Oh, haha!" Like maybe we have coronavirus, but it the way it was presented was still like a a very local problem. Right. 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 Um, isn't that crazy how fast it just escalated? I mean, I was, I like wrote this writing sample about coronavirus and it seemed just so distant at the time. And I right. knew only one person, and that's Jonas, who was actually preparing for it. Yeah. I mean, I knew like a not, couple not people on the spot, but you know. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, he was, he was right to do so. I mean, he I know like right. a couple people. <laughs> who were kind of like preparing. And then like a week after I heard that, it had just kind of like escalated to the point where I was like, oh, it was already fuck. panic. <clears throat> yeah, it was already like, shit, I need to, I already like, I was like, okay, let me go stock up at Whole Foods. And, yeah. uh, you know, they were out of flour and pasta basically. So I was like, oh shit. Okay. Yeah. It's already it's real. Yeah. Yeah. No, it, uh, it, it, it went from like a, a two and a half to a, you know, 10 on a panic scale pretty fast. Yeah, I mean, 5,000 years have elapsed, basically, since we last recorded. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Is, what it, is what it feels like. It really does feel like this, and we're being um, involuntarily thrust into so many things. Uh, well, for me, it's a 
self-imposed or you know outwardly imposed uh, austerity but right right with that you know I'm, i am learning something a little bit about my finances and my habits and <laughs> mm-hmm. slightly disturbing ways uh you're not buying hundred dollar Italo records right now oh absolutely not i haven't done yeah. that and well i've only gotten those things as gifts from sean um you know 15 years ago mm-hmm. But yeah, just so all the like, uh, all the crazy, um, well, not crazy, but um, all all of the subscriptions that just add up. That oh you yeah. Sign up for, and you're like, what is this? And I'm not even using this, and so I just unsubscribe from every possible thing. Right. Um, besides the internet bill, it was you know a sobering experience, I guess. Uh, but um. Yeah, those subscription things add up and yeah, they like in times like this you're like, "Oh shit, like that's 100 bucks, 200 bucks a month of like, wait, what are even these things?" Yeah, I don't know. I ha- the, wor- I- the worst is when you get caught in the like this the the subscription cycle where like like you forget you have it, then you get the bill and you're like, "Oh shit, I've been meaning to cancel that for 3 months." And, and then you're it, like, well, now I paid rebuilt. for it for a month. Exactly, exactly. You're like, yeah. well, I better let it – like I, I should ride this out because I should really watch that episode of XYZ. Father Ted yeah, with Brit Box. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's, that's my fault. Um, that's one of my that's, – that's my favorite subscription of yours, the Brit Box. I don't have many subscriptions. It's on Prime. We should bleep that out. Bleep. Yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll fix actually, it in post. We'll can, 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 we, can, can we actually put a bleep over that? <laughs> yeah. I mean, Amazon workers are on strike right now, so, you know. Uh, yeah. Full support. Full support. I mean, You know who's not on strike right now? Criterion workers. So, you know. <laughs> that's the only subscription we, you know, you should have, really. Yeah, but sometimes those movies are kind of, you boring. know. They t- boring. Boring. <laughs> and they take up a lot of uh you know your attention span that they they just simply don't have that's anymore. true um but you know the brit box is you know pretty relevant i think to us because we came up with a really one of the best ideas we've had in <laughs> recent memory which was uh, we were talking about we were talking shit um actually about somebody on the internet and um and Sean said something about uh, their takes being like manna from heaven. What was it? I said manna from heaven in reference mm-hmm. to someone's uh, overlauded tweets. <laughs> and uh, like they think they're they're um, what's the word for handing out manna from heaven? No, 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 no. Yeah, the, yeah. The, the people respond to it like, "Oh my god, this is so good!" And uh, well, that's such a good take, bro. <clears throat> and. Uh, yeah, I was like, you know, like, and people treat it like it's manna from heaven. They they just love it. They eat it up. And I was like, manner from heaven? I thought he was saying manner. And then I was like thinking about M-A-N-N-E-R and M-A-N-O-R. Right. And then I asked him, I'm like, what do you mean manner from heaven? And then he explained the whole concept of, I guess it might be a. Well, man, is, man is like a biblical thing. But yeah, yeah, but that, I mean, Manor from Heaven. That's that's like a sitcom right there. It, it, that's like that's, a, that's that's exactly what happened. Yeah, yeah <laughs> we were... it's like Manor from Heaven. Like, what what's 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 the um, 
British comedy that we can sort of uh, conceptual- I mean- <laughs> conceptualize here. And yeah, just get Stephen Fry in in you know in places. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Just do a Jeeves and Worcester thing. It's fine. I, it, that basically, be- the the idea is that we came up with is um it's a priest who is um, ah. forced to become a butler. So we're ripping nice. off Father Ted and the uh, original Seinfeld pl- uh, pilot. <laughs> oh, the original, original Seinfeld pilot. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right, yeah. I don't know. I like it. What is that? That's like, like, like the, well, in the show, it's like their original pitch was that like, George has to become Jerry's butler or Jerry. It, it, like, I can't even car remember, accident. but it's something like that. Yeah, there's a car accident and one of them has to. And the, to, ju- the yeah. judge is like, you need to become his butler. <laughs> I didn't know that. That's so yeah. funny. And I, I, I'm not sure if that actually was the original. Maybe that was originally what they... they. Oh, that would know, be funny. When they originally pitched for, in, you know, in actual life. But I love this. Um, but I can just see this, you know? Like, it's just... We gotta, we gotta write it somehow. Don't steal it. Manor from heaven. Internet, don't steal, don't steal manor from heaven. It's ours, okay. Um, but yeah, that was... Uh, that was a revelatory moment. <laughs> this is our revelatory quarantine moment that we had so far. So you're recommending to all to all people all of our all of our listeners out there who are bored the Brit Box. <laughs> yeah, I highly recommend it. <clears throat> it gives you a little a break from all the like fucking inane, mundane. You know what's been really annoying me about all this is all of like the. Um, Twitter posting and like social media shit about like how productive we're going to be, like how creative we're going to be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel absolutely no desire to be creative or productive right now. Like my anxiety is like, you know, is is peaking. Yeah, I mean, we're we're getting stuff done. We're getting more than we would get done otherwise, but it's not night and day. No, it's not like I'm having so much fun in quarantine. This is awesome yeah yeah it's like terrifying and you feel isolated and um i'm sure everybody can sympathize but you know we're trapped in a pretty small apartment not a lot of sunlight uh i don't have room to even jump on a trampoline but you know trampolines are (laughs) trending right now i guess trampoline sounds great right now yeah Right, you can because you can just bounce in place. Yeah, but I don't even think I have the room to do that here. You, you, mm. you could set up a trampoline. I'm terrified of trampolines, though. They mortify really? me. Oh God, yeah. Even small, the small ones. The small ones are almost scarier. I could see you like breaking your foot. On... I, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly what would happen. My foot would break. You would within slip through the springs in twelve minutes <laughs> and fall over. Twelve minutes of being in the house, I would break something. I definitely remember being like, I mean, I was always on trampolines as a kid. And I remember one day where like, you know, I fell off of the trampoline, fell off the side. And that was pretty, you know, that was par for the course. But I remember one day where like it wasn't like I noticed that I fell off the trampoline, you know, like it hurt. And I couldn't like just get back on and keep on trampolining. Yeah. You know, that was kind of like you almost fractured your foot. Something. Yeah, I think that was when I like transitioned from like you know kid to teen or something. <laughs> yeah, That's like, when the Damn. world first broke you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
trampoline. Speaking speaking of uh, it, also like remember how two weeks ago we thought that like maybe this uh, giant like nanny state social democracy would kick uh, yeah. in. <laughs> Where'd I that mean, go? It's it still could happen, but not via the channels that it immediately appeared like it might. I mean, we're recording this um, the last day of March, and Cuomo refuses to get rid of rent, and he also just, like, decided to cut Medicaid for some reason. Yeah, that's a great wow. idea. Yeah. What? It really seems like status quo is mm. doubling down. the name yeah. of the game here, yeah. Point of this, I don't... I have no idea. I hear about the Medicaid thing. I, it's been hard. I, I've, I've been so much on my phone, on the news, looking at every possible article, but just in the last day... Because I've been finishing up some tasks that I have to do that I never have time to do. Um, yeah. You know, I've been taking a little time out. That's good. I, I've been on the news and Twitter again, which has been really annoying because it's, uh, it's a lot of information, but nothing, you know, it feels like you need to be looking at it, but there's nothing all nothing that you want to see. <laughs> nothing yeah. to see here. Well, yeah. I mean, yeah. but I didn't know this about the Medicaid thing. Is it's just for New York State Medicaid? Yeah, he doesn't want to raise he doesn't want to raise taxes on the billionaires. So, yeah, <clears throat> um, yeah. I, it really seems like that whole uh, dream of well, Bernie lost, but maybe he won. Really, uh, <laughs> right, right. That that was a that well, was definitely a... the 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 Republicans kind of initial kind of. Well, that was the thing, right? Right. The, the the appearance that they might be pivoting and kind of reformulating the party along kind of a redistributist, redistributist, redistributional lines. Right. Uh, that is was very quickly thrown out the window. Yeah. <clears throat> um, when 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 the rubber really hit the road and they and they could have embraced you know basically like corporatist fascism, they decided not to. Yeah. So it, it uh, appears that Cuomo will take the place of Biden. Is that that's what I that's that's been the theory that's been floating out there. And I, every time we mention it, I feel like it manifests itself more. <laughs> it does yeah, look realer so and realer. Maybe yeah. we should deeply. Been... I know it's just like, yeah, maybe we should just stop. Yeah, it, it gets it does get scarier and scarier. Uh, yeah. Uh, but of course, Biden's, you know, this this looming uh, rape allegation has been completely swept under the rug. Yeah, no one cares. So funny. Yeah. Funny how that works. Yeah, isn't it? Voters are the most like vocal, like Me Too politics people, and yet yeah. refuse to Me Too Biden. What the fuck? Like, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I guess it's all kind of pointless anyway, because Biden won't win. Uh, Cuomo wouldn't win. Uh, I don't know. Uh, I think a lot still just hinges basically on what the economy looks like in the fall. If the economy's bad and it's probably going to be bad, I think anyone up against Trump stands a pretty good shot. Um, if the economy somehow rebounds, if 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 Corona blows over, uh, you know, also Is that really not looking a possibility likely. Possibility at this point. Uh, well. No, probably not. <laughs> I was about to say it doesn't look very likely, but, you know, whatever. If somehow some of a vaccine comes along quicker or some other kind of uh, therapeutic uh, measure. Right, I guess that's the Hail Mary. It could happen. Um, you know, 
or whatever. Like, like there's, there's, there, there are things that could happen that might mitigate this from being a total, total nightmare. Um, but basically, like, like, like the the better this goes, and the better the economy is in fall, the the better shape the economy is in the, in the fall, the more likely that anyone up against Trump is just going to lose. But if it's bad, I don't think I think anyone stands a chance. Yeah, I don't see people blaming Trump for any of this, though. Though I mean, they should, but I think like the major- I think your average person just kind of sees it as like this horrible thing. And but that, this, is, like, this is this is this is this is like long-standing electoral patterns. Like this is like like yeah. if the economy's bad, the incumbent loses. <laughs> like this is yeah, you know, uh, and you know, Trump isn't is not wildly popular. You know, so I, I think I think yeah, he's uh, not it, as unpopular as people like to think he is, though. That's oh, that's true. Not. Yes. It's shocking. <laughs> yeah well there's still a lot of boomers out there so yeah but we're definitely you know whatever i mean what we do know is that we're definitely emerging into some different new world um and i guess for i think in the music scene there has been this sort of low-lying hope that on the other side of this we'll all go out and go to a good party and you yeah. know uh, kind of get back to it, but Party. that's that's not happening, is yeah, it? Yeah, that, that does not seem like it's ever going to happen again. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, is this going to be worse than nine eleven was for like the New York club scene? I think I, I absolutely think it will be. Yes. Yeah. Really, Sean? Yes. Because we'll see which clubs and which venues even survive this. Well, I mean, nine eleven shut down a lot, but it also like bolstered people's. Uh, it bolstered camaraderie in some ways, and it also made people want to really fucking party. Yeah. Um, I think that will happen, but. Yeah, but but what 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 are, are you what are parties that... going to look like when everyone has to be six feet apart in a small city, like or in a in a large city with small spaces? Oh, so you're saying that these these um, protective uh, measures against the virus is going to continue whenever? I think social distancing is to some degree is going to be part of our reality for a while. And I think it's going to be hard, even if it isn't, it's going to be hard for people to like, we've only been sort of in this lockdown situation for a couple of weeks and, you know, the whole social distancing thing for a couple of weeks. And already that's like taken a huge toll in terms of like how you see other people. And so we're yeah. definitely going to be in like quarantine, mega social distancing for another couple months. And I don't know that people like it's going to be really weird getting people back into a room and getting them like close and dancing together. I I don't I don't think I think people are going to be really hesitant to yes. do that. I don't know if I want to dance in a room full of people I know anymore. I mean I haven't really wanted to in a while but <laughs> uh, We're the worst people to talk about this, I guess. <laughs> I enjoy doing that in, at Weird Science. Right. At Magic City, um, I mean, part of it is the music and the people that throw the party and the community around it, but also just Magic City as a venue is just like kind of the the style of venue that I prefer going to these days. Yeah, well, then the last time we went, it was borderline terrifying. So yeah, and it was right. Well, that was the thing. It was like kicking off, and I was just like, I feel like everyone's sick around me, and they're breathing yeah, yeah, yeah. breath on me, and. I got to get out of here, you know? Yeah, that was like, 
it was that was such a weird day because that day was so it was like the, the weather was great i had been out canvassing for bernie with dsa earlier in the day went to weird science was like really great Bo played and uh abby abby echeverry played and it was such a fun party everyone was there and it was like it felt like a great normal day and then like i got home and i was like wait like shit like did what did i just have, do yeah did everyone have corona like hold on like what the fuck ha-? you know it's just like that might have been the earliest we ever well we left after it ended but it was like we're just like we're going home we're not having a nightcap yeah yeah <clears throat> i mean part of that was your uh sobriety but um yeah i'm 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 fully on the no no alcohol train for maybe forever i don't know probably for at least six eight ten whatever month i don't know done uh, with drinking for the foreseeable future and possibly for good definitely good for your immune system at this point yeah no and 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 the wallet so oh yeah of course yeah it's there's 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 no cons to me not drinking there's no downsides here I mean, there never is, really. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But that's good. I wish I could say the same. I mean, I'm not going to lie. Like, I mean, not drinking has largely been very easy for me, Uh, especially like the first week was a little rough because I was also quitting uh, nicotine. Not that I'm like a super regular smoker, but, you know, I kind of pulled all the plugs at once. Uh, But after the first week, it's it's been super, mostly super easy. Um, But... Once the like the rea- reality of lockdown set in, a little part of me was like, not tempted to drink, but like part of me definitely regretted like, why'd you get sober now? Because you should just stay drunk through this. Well, it's a weird kind of like FOMO, right? Because everyone's kind of like, oh, we're quarantining and like you know, right? Drinking vodka and watching you know five seasons of the X Files, you know? right? That's, um, I'm, I'm missing that's, out once again. Like, I know, right? Out of step with you the know, times, always. I discovered a new it, vodka. Chris, Uh-oh. it's really cheap. Um, it's cheap. Is it good? But it's not like crap. It's not like pop off or whatever. Um, oh God, yeah. Sky, uh, sky ice. Sea ice. Sea ice. Sorry. Sea ice. Sea ice. Where's it from? <laughs> it's made in Kentucky. Okay. So uh, I'm not sure, but like my, you know, artisanal spirits wine shop in the neighborhood sells it and they're like it's a cheapie but a goodie so um mm. i went for it since my new um corona austerity budget uh, yeah and yeah i just got a 1.75 liter hopefully it'll last me this week you should <laughs> jesus christ <laughs> that'll last that'll last like that'll last a season of the x-files yeah, well for me i'm not sure I've been- I don't know why I don't know why my brain has like this automatic uh, X Files and vodka relationship, but it does, and I can't. <laughs> this is, this I- is harking back to your teen years. Uh, I, I mean, I guess, yeah. I don't know where it's from, but it's just like those two. Those are two great tastes that taste great together. I guess. Yeah, with seltzer or just on the rocks. Uh oh, you know what? I, there. Okay, the, this is why there was a um. There was a, a time where I was drinking, and it was when I was a teen, uh, watching the X-Files I and drinking White Russians. Oh, yeah. that's not a drink you want to ever drink ever again, maybe. No, I mean, I like them. I mean, what's not to like, you know? It's just... They're trashy. 
sweet dessert drink. But like not in like a it's, cool tiki drink way, just like in a. To be fair, I haven't had one in a long time, and so maybe it's. Maybe it's and not like so all the dairy in it is just kind of like. I can't remember when I last had a. It's got to be like twenty years since I've had a red Russian city. I mean, I, I I eat a lot of dairy, so. Oh, I've been but. eating less and less in quarantine. I'm on that. Uh, skinny quarantine diet. It's pretty awesome. Skinny quarantine diet. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm eating like you know, less and less carbs, like kind of paleo kind of. I thought everyone was baking. I I I bake. Uh, well, I, not... I I I've been dipping into the freezer reserves of bread, but I do need to I do need to do a bake. Sean eats too much bread. That's just. I mean, I know it's delicious, <laughs> but I'm trying to eat like bread quinoa, is good for your spine. Quinoa turkey and meatballs. It clean, clean, clean cleans the spleen and smoothies. I finally have time to make smoothies. I have smoothies for breakfast. With I have smoothies for breakfast every day. Yeah, banana, oat milk, and so maybe some berries, and some flax meal. So it's got mm -hmm. all the fiber. And then I'll do like quinoa turkey meatballs, and then you know a lentil soup, and then mm. whatever for dinner, like chicken. I don't know. But I've been eating a lot of meat. Lamb. Ooh. That sounds good. Like like merguez or No, just lamb. We've been making a lot of lamb tagines. We have a tagine that we like using, so making a lot of those. That the the pic you posted a couple days ago or I guess like last week looked fantastic. I love a good tagine. Yeah. Do you make it with rice or couscous or um, usually with couscous, um, it'd be, you know, it'd be nice if we could make it with some, I'd like to make some nice, uh, like Moroccan flatbread or something. Mm. Um, once but, you get your sourdough starter working. Yeah. Once I get that working. But you could do a um, sourdough. Like, no, yeah. No, of course. Leahy method, I, right? Well, uh, that wouldn't be a Leahy method. I'm going to get nerdy. Uh-oh. Uh -oh. uh, well, okay. All of our li like <laughs> literally three quarters of our listeners now are bakers. So yeah, let's, right. Let's let's do it. All right, put, putting this out there. If 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 all you noob fucking baker posers need Whoa. some real advice, come to a master. All right. Um, oh god. <laughs> I really don't want this podcast to turn into bread camp beta and you know be a bread hotline, but it might. That might be the only way we survive. So we've we've got a we've got a really interesting cookbook in the works. So we're not ready yet to um to spoil the surprise, but um eventually once it fully conceptualizes, we're gonna let you in on that. That's good. That's good. A, l a little like. A little teaser of things to come. Yeah, we're we're giving you a little teaser about the the cookbook. Yeah. But wait, let's 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 loop back to music. So, like, what do we? I mean, wh where where do we see, you know, where do we see the music industry in in six months and in, in a year? I mean, is it alive? I nothing. I see black. I mean, the... <laughs> I see just an empty black hole. The thing is, I mean, we sort of started this podcast under the uh, guise of being like, there's a serious rot at the core of uh, the music industry at large and dance music in particular. Yeah. Um, and, you know, mirroring the kind of rot in society, yeah. um, in like neoliberal society. It was the same rot that was in the core of a sort of neoliberal dance music scene. Absolutely. Um, and as coronavirus uh, and like, you know, because 
that society was so flimsy and unable to react to things and completely incapable of like doing anything um it's is this is exposing it's really very real uh you know failures and and just basically like laying it all open um and i think the same dynamics happening in music where now it's just like it's being flayed waste to the whole yeah just laying waste to the whole thing like guess what this didn't work at all all along um yeah yeah that i mean that does seem to be going on uh Club Clubland is definitely going to be experiencing a crisis of uh, of legitimacy in a similar way to the neoliberal order. So I'm glad that I had the revelation that I don't feel like chasing this unattainable dream and like right. trying really hard to participate in it because I really have personally like just feel more compelled to be in the studio, be more of just a someone that creates and rather doesn't sort of like just like just like just like reiterate the whole like this is a community you know like that kind of thing and you're like well what community is right this? like what I, I don't know like i mean that sense of community like we can just think about it in new york right that sense of community that i think was there maybe 10 it's so, years ago it's that so we all fractured yeah, now it's just been kind of like, and you know, part of that's the march of time, but also it's kind of like, you know, as the music scene kind of like grew and got commodified and all these things got pulled in all these different directions and, you know, like success was defined as being like a globetrotting DJ, everything kind of pulled apart this community and also like the thing we all... Obviously more competitive. Let's be yeah, real yeah, here. exactly. Let's be real here. That's what it did. Yeah. Um, and uh, I, d- that's the that's that's like the last thing that I want to associate with music is this like kind of a competitive nature. Like I don't. Let's just make it a little more like pure again or something. Like I don't know. Like well, let's like for for us personally specifically, like getting back to like the fun part of just actually making music. Right, because that's always the part that, you know, that's that is that's the fun part. That's the meaningful part, you know. Right. Um, yeah. You know, kind of restoring a personal practice um, has been something that we've been working on. I mean, what do we think that? Where do we think that that goes? I mean, like basic stuff. I mean, vinyl was already dying. Does this just kill? Vinyl's it back, baby. No, vinyl's back. Is it? No. <laughs> I'm just parroting. Not. I'm parroting the, the 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 articles that you know we've seen on oh, and yeah, off yeah. for 15 years. Um, no, v- vinyl's clearly dead, at least uh, as a medium for for underground music. Um, it has right. been for, for you know four or five years. I think it's. A... I mean, it's effectively been dead as yeah, like a viable way to put out music, but it's I don't, like an effective medium for collectors and discount right. people. Well, I like right. like like. The resale market, you know? So, so much of the vinyls back, uh, you know, kind of buzz of the last decade it was built around um, the, was built around Record Store Day, pr- pressing up, you know, hundreds of yeah. thousands of copies of a Pink Floyd box set or like a Nirvana, a re-re-re-press of Nirvana's Unplugged or whatever. Yeah. Um, and, and then also the adoption of vinyl at 
uh, like big, big, big box, uh, like, uh, retail, like urban outfitters. Yeah. Um, so those things did very real, like in a very real way, boost the vinyl industry. Um, but obviously none of that goes to real musicians. It goes to, right. you know, yeah. um, but yeah, if, I mean, vinyl is clearly not going to be the thing it was. Well, you know, I mean, the, the, whatever, like a, a month ago we, we had the fires, uh, killing a lacquer plant and, um, that was right. two, months ago. two months ago, whatever time I don't doesn't know. exist. It feels like two months ago. Cause it feels like a million years ago. I think it was the, I think it was mid end of February. There's no way of knowing. <laughs> it's, it's actually impossible. Time is it's actually scrambled right now. I don't. Yeah, everything's everything's dilated and pushed and pulled and psychologically. Yeah. There's no way of knowing. Um. But uh, yeah. I mean, whatever. There, there were already so there, there have already been so many glimmers of of vinyl being just functionally dead. Yeah. For the last few years, and and even in it, you know. Uh, even just this year, uh, prior to prior to COVID, so um, yeah, it's uh, I, I I don't I I can't imagine vinyl will play the same role when uh, when things resume normalcy in massive scare quotes. Yeah, what do we make of? I mean, you know, there was what uh, a week, two weeks ago, that big Bandcamp day. Um, I didn't. I mean. You didn't buy anything. Good. I didn't because I did, was very uncertain about my um, finances yeah. going forward. Well, that was the thing. Is like you know, I was like uh, the day before I had employed for unemployment, and it was like, okay, so hold on, wait, I got to spend all this money on Bandcamp or something. I mean, no, don't feel pressure. I mean, yeah, yeah. It's like that's how I felt. I'm like, I'm not. I am not going to make myself feel guilty over like. I think well, it was a way for rich I, people I think, to like pat themselves on the back and think they had done something nice. Sure, yeah, totally. It's yeah, it's. Uh, I, I I think Bandcamp is I, I think Bandcamp is great. Honestly, I think it's a fantastic uh, platform. I think it's it's certainly way better than any other thing we have right now. I'm, I'm, I don't, I don't want to shit on Bandcamp as a medium. It's, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, like, that's not what we're here to do. Full, full we support, love yeah. Bandcamp. Full support to Bandcamp. It's yeah. it's fantastic. It's done. <clears throat> wonders for for underground music people make uh you know I, I i've had some friends who've complained about like like you know not making enough money on Bandcamp, and i'm just like wait you realize like like you know how much money you, you would get 10 years ago from putting out a 12 inch yeah nothing like, <laughs> it, yeah like if you got a 200 advance from the label you were like sweet <laughs> you know how many labels i'm technically in debt to you know <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah exactly so like Bandcamp, they, we have like three boxes of your twelve inch. That's just not moving units. We're not moving. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I think Bandcamp pays very fairly, and it's a wonderful, wonderful gesture. But yeah, like like let's not kid ourselves. This this model will never ever make any industry sustainable, because um, it is fundamentally like. Like it's several hundred poor people fat passing a five dollar bill back and forth, while yeah, exactly while, while a single cent is extracted each during each transaction. So very well said, and and that's like you know RA went with this whole thing. They made a new logo for this like save our scene thing, and basically like the whole message <laughs> right now has been like we can consume our way out of this. Yeah, you yeah. know, and it's been all this like 
you know, like RA coats it in this like twee bullshit of, you know, like, you know, uh, our lives are defined by, you know, our times on the dance floor with our mate in the front left corner, you know, oh, some wow. dumb bullshit like that. No, but, we, you know, it's like we were at Boiler Room and Chris didn't want to be on camera, but yet he. <laughs> <laughs> the fucking real life rave stories. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Escaping the Panopticon, a Boiler Room tale. Amazing. But yeah, um, I mean, like, so, like, the whole, since this has started, the whole, like, all, all it's all been, you can consume your way out of this. We totally. as a scene can consume ourselves to, like, save ourselves. And it's like, who are you kidding? Like, right. Mutual aid and, I, and, like, whatever. Like, yeah, like, this is all great. Like, do it. It's good. But this is not a solution. Yeah. And the thing that really bugs um, me is, you know, you see, like, uh, you know, let's say, like, a publication like RA or any sort of music publication, like, they're afraid to they they like fundamentally don't want to think of this in political terms they don't right. want to realize <clears throat> that like the only thing that will help these musicians is a fucking is canceling rent is yeah. you know like yeah. medicare yeah, exactly. for all like this is the reality yeah. you know and this is something that i think we've been trying to say since you know we started the podcast is that you know all of these you know temporary fixes all of these sort of like oh how can we get spotify to monetize uh things to artists you know whatever no like you're all just trying to avoid the fact that these are political questions yeah. and that like this is way bigger this scene can only exist if it's in you know like uh whatever if if you know artists are just people and you know like anyone else they need fucking health care and housing and um that's just super precarious now yeah and yeah like like this 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 crisis reveals that on a large scale so yeah one would hope that you know this is this is a this is a this is an opportunity for leverage you know um this is the, yeah, there, exactly. there, there, there are a lot of there are a lot of cracks being exposed uh, a lot of fissures that can be you know kind of pried at so, you know, I, I, I am cautiously optimistic about the, the, the political possibilities of the moment. Um, mm -hmm. But, yeah, it does, like we were discussing earlier, the immediate turn from, like, you know, um, kind of redistributive measures to, um, you know, <clears throat> full-on monopoly capitalism uh, was pretty jarring. Well, I mean, just before, just before recording, like, posted an hour ago or whatever was a Washington post editorial about could Cuomo be the next FDR. <laughs> That's wow. so perverse. It's, it's so perverted. Okay. Well, you, we, we have a candidate that would actually do. <laughs> and of a, of a new deal type scenario. And how, and how did, how did a newspaper like the Washington post uh, respond to him? Because I don't remember them responding particularly well yeah, right. to uh, those those proposals. No, no. No, and all these superficial jabs too at Bernie is just like like saying he's not president. I don't. I don't want to go into that whole yeah narrative. I mean, I we, mean it's, it's we, flatly anti-Semitic half the time. Yeah. And, you know, whatever. Right. Yeah. I mean, we you know we we wear our politics very firmly and proudly on our sleeves on this show. You would be surprised, though, at, like, the centrist take on 
why they're not fully on board with Bernie. It's just very, it's super, it's superficial. It's, it's not even, it's barely politics. It's barely political, you know? <laughs> like, well, cause I, I think, I think centrists aren't political and they conceive of themselves as not political, right? They think they're pragmatic. They're not political. Mm. And well, they, 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 but, they, they, they think of themselves as non-ideological, I think is the, right. is, is the real Which issue. Which is of course its own ideology. Yeah. I mean, they're just they're liberals. I mean, that is a very well understood and pretty and it's an ideology and yeah. it's one that we disagree with. But, you know, um, but they think because it's like the center of because, you know, you have like a left liberal party, the Democrats and a right liberal party, the Republicans, you know, the, because it's this liberalism's like the center of uh, our political reality that makes them think that they're not political. They're not ideological, you know. Yeah, no, I mean, I, 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 I think they do conceive themselves as political, but yes, they, they, they do not conceive of, 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 of centrism as an ideology. They, mm -hmm. they, 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 can, they consider it like, um, yeah, uh, pragmatism. So. Yeah, it's Tina. The only There's way you no get things done, what? Like, you're, you're, you're going to oppose, like, you know, whatever. So. Yeah. Well, speaking of Tina, and uh, there is no alternative, uh, and our favorite Margaret Thatcher, should we uh, talk about Depeche Mode? Sure. <clears throat> oh, I, talk I kind of figured we were going here, but I missed this <laughs> when I was washing the groceries. Um, let's let's talk about construction time again. Oh wow! Yeah, back so of a record. <clears throat> I really wanted to go back and listen to like all the mid '80s Depeche Mode albums, like you know, in a row. So yeah. um, I just wanted to go through, because I really have, have never, like, taken a lot of time with them. I know all the hits. Mm -hmm. I know a lot of the 12-inch versions of, you know, things like uh, Get the Balance Right and stuff like that. But, like, some of the lesser-known tunes I wasn't as familiar with, so I wanted to take mm -hmm. some time with it. And then we were on a listening spree, and... Sean just had some very heartfelt. I've been crying a lot. I've been crying <laughs> quietly, so you know. Um, it's it's. I mean, it's that kind of record for sure. Yeah, well, I mean, she like it, it was it was so striking how like how immediately relevant it felt. Yeah. All of it, um, every single track, pretty much every single song. Yes, like whoa, whoa, this is speaking to me in a way that I haven't felt since. Trent Reznor first sung to me. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's like, were were they ever like overtly political about like their their artistic statements? It didn't seem that way. It it has. I mean, Depeche Mode is definitely in, like I, their songs touch on political topics, but I, I they're not political in the way that Heaven Seventeen are. No, it always just no. feels like at a distance and at this like fashionable remove, you know, like where they're making an aesthetic gesture about. It's a, it's a poetic remove, yeah. 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 Well, as opposed to uh, sort of, as opposed to you, Katie, I, as a kid, you know, Depeche Mode was my shit. As a teen in high school, I know every Depeche Mode album front to back. Wow. Um, <laughs> you know, very, very deeply. Um, and I hadn't listened to this one in a long time. I mean, I hadn't really listened to a Depeche Mode LP in full for a long time. I had like well, pulled out the 12 inches to play as a DJ. I, you know, would 
play get the balance right all the time and, I just and everything. Say, I just have to say that Violator was a huge part of my childhood and team. Right, right. In a way that the other ones were not. So mm-hmm. Violator is like the cassette that I stole from my sister. <laughs> yeah. That's definitely the one that like whoever regardless of who you are violator definitely played a point in your life at yes some point, you know yeah yeah for like but with age range i would say yeah with this one i mean i i think just speaking of depeche mode's politics i don't think they were ever as political as they were on this record i mean this I, is really I think so yeah yeah <clears throat> this is really um very overt um and just kind of all-encompassing the whole record is political the whole record has a point of view, um, you know, and not unlike a sort of Heaven 17, you know, uh, penthouse and pavement, you know, that kind of less explicitly, but I mean, you have you, you, have, you have work hard, you have, uh, you know, um, there, there are moments where where they do pretty strongly identify with with labor. Yeah, I mean, to like, just talk about the obvious, like, you know, the obvious cut, everything counts, you know, probably one yeah. of Depeche Mode's biggest lasting hits. I mean, that's also their most overt political and it's about the fucking music industry and look how much has changed, you know? Yeah. Um, But yeah, just like Sean, you were saying this record is like just cut after cut and it's really striking. I mean, every single track is amazing. Yeah, I mean the one the one that really really tore me apart was the landscape is changing, which is like, you know, I've I've had this record for a lifetime or two and uh haven't listened haven't listened to it in a very long time. I'm going to I'm just going to pull up the lyrics. But I'm glad we're talking about this cuz yeah, I mean, the landscape is changing is is the clear like there's a lot to talk about with this one. Yeah, well, it's like it's it's impossible not to read this song through through our twin crises of of climate change and of uh end of covid yeah um the landscape is changing the landscape is crying thousands of acres of forest are dying carbon copies from the hills about forests lie acid streams are flowing ill through across the countryside because i don't care if you're going nowhere just take good care of the world i mean that that that, i i I teared up i straight up teared up i'm tearing up a little right now it's it's... I mean, it's that perfect because they're also, as a band, they're just young enough and sort of wide-eyed enough to like, it's a bit fucking ham-fisted. It's not like a deep, you know, uh, <laughs> well, eco-communist like critique. It's it's very like sort of, you know. sleeve type of thing. Yeah, but like The best, the best lyrics are always a little shit-brained. This is just truth. Yeah. yeah right. I agree. Um, yeah, I mean – yeah, the 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 record hit me. It hit me. It hit, it hit me hard. And yeah, landscape is changing. Was the one that was just like, oh my god, oh my god, like we're yeah. we're, we're we're staring at our political elites telling us that people need to die for the market, uh, flatly in in no uncertain terms, and uh, right. you know while while our world literally fucking burns, and they're just saying, I don't care if you're going nowhere, just take good care. The one hearing up right now is. It's, it's a lot, man. It's a lot. Token gestures, some semblance of intelligence. Can we be blamed for the security of ignorance? I don't care if you're going nowhere. Just take good care of the world. I don't 
like I think really it's uh, it's an amazing like part of the album because it really also the sound design on it it's amazing after like the sort of song goes through the sort of main songwriting bit there's a very sort of long um, coda to it that um, has the, I mean it's like really beautiful it has like these great chords but it also has these incredible sound design flourishes they the they have the you know you have these sort of Roland and Moog bass lines and things going on but then you also have these amazing digital like sounds these deep synths i mean it sounds like a sound from like a michelle rodolfi like grm record these, like <laughs> really wild like, digital metallic sounds like uh, i would i would assume it's like fairlight or even like maybe arp well it's 83 so the dx7 might have come out by then could have been, or it could have been. I mean, it could have been like a Synclavier, you know? Yeah, yeah, or or yeah, like Fairlight, Fairlight, like Katie was saying. Yeah, um, yeah. Obviously, they but didn't. The, they didn't have any uh, budgetary constraints, so. Yeah, um, but the record is full of sounds like that, just really bracing sound design. Just totally. Like, <clears throat> there are these beautiful, like weird, weird sounds just peeking out of every corner. We listened to Black Celebration immediately following, and uh, uh, no music for the masses, right? No, or no, Black Celebration. Black Celebration. Sorry. <clears throat> and uh, I was struck by like I mean Black Celebration is a much more polished record. It's it's produced much more. Uh, it's much glossier. It's much deeper in the production and, and kind of warmer and richer. But it's not is it's not nearly as weird or exciting. Mm-hmm. Um, and and the same goes I, I think for for the kind of lyrical content as well. Black Celebration, really dark, really heavy, um, much less wide-eyed hard on your sleeve kind of stuff but yeah it it it's just less it's it it was not it was not doing for it for me I, I found the found the record actually kind of um kind of oppressive um, yeah you know i i listened to black celebration a couple of years ago and it was one of those records that yeah when i was 14 it was just like that was it but going back these days it's records like get the balance right um and it's albums like construction time again that i keep on coming back to um (laughs) and i think you're right that the sounds are just there's a little less polish um the you know it's like a bit less full of shit but the things that are there really stand out and they're really strange for the most part The, the songs are just structured super weirdly too on the record like yeah oh yeah that's what i've paid attention to the most because i've been in this like hyper like i have to copy my favorite songs mode Mm -hmm. sort of like retrain myself how to make music um in a way like the stuff that we've been working on at least um i'm in total ripoff mode (laughs) that's a good place to be though that's like a really inspiring place yeah it totally is and and it's also like you know, healthy to realize like you are not going to, you do not have the studio, you do not have the mixing console that they had. So keep that in mind. But also you do have an Octatrack. So it's like you can make a lot of um, intricate things happen with that. But I mean, again, I'm using it in a very pretty basic way. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, like I love like listening to albums like this where you can hear like you can identify the gear that they're using um, and you can identify the artistic intent behind it as well. And it's just very, it's like a very like clarity moment where you're just like, 
it's very pure, you know? Um, mm-hmm. And I love connecting with, like, you know, a lot of 80s music because of this, because of, you know, they're the technology changes every few years, you know, new, new, new gear is being introduced every couple of years and it kind of changes the way that we move through the eighties, you know, right. where we end up in the nineties. Um, so it's just, I don't know. I find, you know, a lot of this synth pop music, obviously in uh, disco of different genres of different styles <laughs> um just like very inspiring to sort of like uh listen to and gain an inspiration from do you think a lot of those like technical moves that you're talking about do you think that all gets reflected in the so- songwriting itself and how the songs are structured do you think totally. that like yeah yeah um yeah like I don't know. I, I also just like I've been thinking more about the mixing console and just like the recording method. Mm-hmm. That's something that I'm really like interested in. And I wish that I had access to mm. the kind of studio that or the kind of like people that were helping them, you know, record. I guess it was I don't know if it was just Martin Gore and um well, so one person they worked with on this record was Gareth Jones. He was the engineer. Okay. Um and he went on to do a lot of Depeche Mode stuff, but he also did engineering for Fad Gadget, um, mm. for Wire. Uh, yeah, the the concept of the engineer, I love. I absolutely right. love this. You know, and it's like, who does this anymore? In in this kind of, and makes art like this. You know, at the same time, mm-hmm. um, I'm fascinated by it. I don't can't can't really say much more on it but um it's like something that i think about and you know there's ways to sort of emulate and create some of the sound design aspects of like this album that we love but you know again it's like kind of impossible to like do what they did i guess i, I don't know i'm i'm kind of rambling now well just i mean cuz they had like people doing specific roles you right know? and it's hard and it's hard to do all of those roles if you're just one person right yeah exactly um i just wanted to give a shout out to the track told you so which um i it's one of those it wasn't a single and sort of in the past years i i, I it just had eluded me and listening to this record it just shot me right back to like i was just like holy shit it was like this song that i hadn't heard in at least 10 years um and i was like whoa hold up like it's like one of those weird things of hearing like a favorite song that you just kind of completely forgot existed um yeah yeah but it's the one that i was like i love this one you're like i'm not into it that much yeah no yeah no it was that one and then and then's like the kind of ballady one at the end told you so is like a a banger we listened to it, and I, I wish we could have. I think it was the one, the, the the following one. I think it was and then is the one that oh yeah, you and were then. super into that I uh, like. Let's take a map of the world, tear it into pieces. All of the boys and girls will see how easy it is. It's amazing. <laughs> to pull it all down and start again from the top to the bottom, and then I'll have yeah, faith, the, the, or I prefer <clears throat> to think that things couldn't move turn out worse. All that we needed the starts universal revolution. That's all. <laughs> and if we it's trust beautiful. in our hearts, we'll find solutions. I mean, it's an incredible, it's just an incredible album, top, like front to back. Like it's one of those albums that 
we listened to it and when it ended i was like all right back to the top yeah know? yeah yeah and that's a that's a rare thing you know doesn't doesn't happen all the time yeah but, it's it's actually better yeah. than a heaven 17 album to be honest like you know heaven oh, 17, no, so heaven, different. heaven 17 has the the fucking bangers and the emotion and the like this like the, the drama the drama exactly but the album experience of listening to their album it, okay, okay it's fair. not the same fair it's not I mean, the, it's about depeche mode and it's something about this period of depeche mode right here that is very tight you know yeah yeah um but back to the political content of the record though which yeah, this the, the lyrics of and then really remind me like i the, the listening to the record it did feel like tied to our current moment in a particularly vital way perhaps because it was what well, and i can't confirm this but my my gut is that the record was sort of uh a reaction to to thatcher i i, I th- that was just that was just my kind of immediate kind of gut response was like okay like like this 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 record was penned in a time uh uh with it in in the midst of a a radical reactionary political ideological shift yeah um, one that you know we're increasingly it's it's increasingly clear that we're witnessing this ourselves right now i sure hope so it's kind of this weird i i think uh over the past couple months especially i've gotten very uh i've placed the sort of neoliberal turn in a very clear historical context um where really all of society they were reacting to it but the the future seemed like it was going to be socialist you know it was going to be communist through the 70s you know i mean there was going to be a lot of reaction to it but even capitalists believed that you know the future belonged to socialism and you know every sort of um you know movement in uh you know third world countries every sort of uh you know all like you know just for example like the palestinian movement this was this was all communist and socialist uh, groups that were leading that. And after 1980, um, the combination of neoliberalism basically, you know, putting a knife in the heart of any sort of social democracy. And then, you know, also the Iranian revolution, you know, bringing in this religious angle to a lot of movement, a lot of, you know, anti imperialist movements. It's really bizarre because by the mid 80s, then, I mean, it's a very deep ideological shift and no longer did the future belong to you know left-wing socialist movements and I yeah think... yeah well yeah well and obviously by you know by by the, by the end of the 80s you have the, you have you have the end of history declared so exactly um and but, so uh, it's it's terrifying but it does feel like we could be going through another shift here like another major world ideological shift i, I think i think we absolutely are whether whether that one will be a kind of like you know kind of um well, democratic socialist kind of, you know, whatever kind of mutant Keynesian one, or whether it will be, uh, you know, a, a something much worse than we can even envision. Uh, that's 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 really the question at hand. I'm I'm personally terrified of like you know the I, I've seen a lot of creeping, uh, you know, eco fascist uh, kind of yeah yeah that that's that's things there, that's percolating there sure, out yeah. there. Um, and it's it's you know it's certainly a possibility right now. But you know like. Right now, it just it seems very clear that you know, um, well, like like uh, just just in regards to like the bailout 
going on here. Like there was so much money handed just directly to to people who don't need it. And, yeah, just directly handed up. And I mean, so little money going to places that desperately need it. So, you know, like it's not hard at all to imagine a world where, you know, there are no more restaurants. There are no more bars. It's all, you know, um, whatever. Bezos fucking, uh, you know, Bezos bucks, whatever. You know, it's all this. This could essentially be a, a Bezos money debit card. This could be the conversion to like full on like state monopoly capitalism. So, um, well, I mean, because we were already seeing like basically feudalism coming out, you know, where like, you know, people are working for, like you said, Bezos bucks, you know, the feudal lord supplies everything for you. Yeah. Um, but now on a glass, you know, on a massive global, you know, tech scale. Um, so, yeah, no, like if, 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 if small businesses don't get, a huge amount of help we're going to be looking at a world that is insanely different in six months yeah um things are moving very fast as lennon said there are weeks where there are decades right. where weeks, weeks happen, happen yeah. and weeks where decades happen yeah oh yeah i mean this Shit. is this is a year where decades are happening for sure um and you know I, I i still do think that like we could see a lot of um we we like at some point uh, well, at at some point we'll see we'll we'll see the 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 neoliberal order overplay their hand, and it may maybe maybe it's already happened even, where you know when when they just clearly state that like your lives don't matter. Um, right. I mean, it's always it's so hard to tell though, right? Because it's been so obvious. Um, the question is when it, the question is always just when it reaches that point where it, it can't be ignored by anyone anymore you yeah know? yeah and that was the case for the virus in the first place like yeah I, if you pay attention you see it coming right <laughs> the you train the train wreck is, is visible like eight miles down the road but right exactly yeah and yet it takes like for you know our leadership to completely break down and be like oh i guess i can't blame it on whatever like it's actually happening to here where we are you know yeah like it's it's i mean it's now very very fucking real (laughs) well now new york is like the global eye of the storm you know i mean it's it's... a novel it's a novel coronavirus like it's fucking serious like if you don't understand that like yeah i i don't know like (laughs) We don't know the the impacts of anything of like of the the impact of the the lasting effects of what this will do and how long this will take. Everybody's like, oh, we'll be back to work in two weeks. We'll be back right. to work in a month. It's like, do we really see that happening now? I feel like we're just in New York. We're just entering like the yeah. It's starting to ramp up now. We're not even at the eye of the storm, you know, like yeah. Or whatever the phrase is, like, is it "eye of the storm"? Yep. Yeah, it's when you're when you're in the center of the huge cacophony. The big fucking bell curve we keep seeing. Yeah. Whenever whenever we hit that. You know? <laughs> yeah. All right. And yet, you know, I don't feel like I should flee. <sighs> I do know several people who have left the city. Right. Um, but I don't. I don't know. It's like I, I don't even have enough money on my credit card to 
rent a car and leave and like go to my parents' basement. And also right, right. they're in Michigan. Like, are they that much better off? And also I'm coming from well, New York and my parents are in their sixties. You know, exactly. So it's like, do I expose them to whatever I could have been? It's just, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's going to be, it's bad here because of what New York is and how connected it is to the world and how, you know, close and packed everything is. But I mean, don't, you know, make no mistake. It's going to be, it's going to affect every, you know, the whole country. It's just going to take. You know, everyone else is just delayed by a couple weeks or a month or whatever. Right, know? right. Yeah, it's an illusion that people uh, in Oklahoma or whatever won't be affected by this. They will. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I hate Cuomo to my fucking dying breath, and I've never voted for him and have no intention on starting to do so. But, uh, you know, it, <laughs> I don't believe the... Oklahoma state government is any more competent, <laughs> you know, has their shit any more together than, no. you know, I just it's, chose Oklahoma. I have no, <laughs> I bet it's just everywhere. You know, it's, it's really weird knowing that I have no idea what June looks like. No, we're not I even at May no yet, idea. dude. I know. We're, we're, we're not even, we're in not April. even April. <laughs> it's yeah, it's starting, dude. <laughs> Like, I have no, I mean, I don't know why June, but like, you know, June, my birthday, I always go to the beach, right? I think, I don't, I think that's not going to happen. <laughs> I think I have no birthday this year and I'm, I'm like in a week and a half, a week and a half before you, so. Yeah. but like, My birthday's in 10 days, in 11 days and I'm definitely not having a birthday. We should have a Base Camp Beta Sean's birthday podcast. Yeah, we party. should. We should. We definitely can. We'll break We'll bake bread. Hey, maybe maybe I'll have some starter and we, we can all bake bread and you know <laughs> sit around I, and nosh on bread. No savory a bread cast. It'll it will get really tired by the end. <laughs> oh god. No, please. Uh, I, I actually want to talk about music. I just I've been in my own weird accountant zone, so like uh I it's not like fresh on my mind. I, I have some I, I made a couple wedding mixes and a lot of terrible music is lodged in my brain. I've been Uh-oh. having a great time with that. <laughs> it's been great. What's what's on the top? What's like on the top of, of your dome right now? What's uh, this song that I've been obsessing with? That like one of my EDM ish clients from last year, like gave me in their song pool, and apparently it's a track from two thousand three or four. And it's like a Eric Pridesy, you know, house uh, disco house, right? <laughs> With like disco, yeah. I just I'm such a sucker for that, like, you know, bang altar, disco house loopy, but like, house but music. like bad, but like bad version of it. It's it's definitely the bad way, like mega commercial version of that. Yeah, know? like the Ultra yeah. 2003 compilation. Yeah, yeah. Ministry of Sound compilation. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> maybe that's the next maybe that's the next episode. Ministry of Sound 2003 <laughs> compilation. No. Yeah. Track it's by track. Music that it's like not it's not every day that your wedding client puts that in their song pool and then when they do, you're like, "Damn, I'm going to have fun with this one." Is Call On Me still a big track? Is that a big wedding track? I put it in the same mix as this other tune. Yeah. 
That's a heck of a song. Imagine. But the song. Well, you just like it because of the Winwood sample. Well, well, yeah. I mean, I'm not gonna not gonna lie. It's. <laughs> I mean, there is nothing else to the song, I guess. So. <laughs> it's got this great like vocal. I'm a different person. Turn. Oh God, I know this song. <laughs> <laughs> you know that one. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I don't know what it's called or anything, but I know it. It's there in this the theme. recesses of my brain. It's what called it? Lola's Theme by the Shapeshifters. Okay. None of that rings a bell, but I definitely know the song. Oh, my God. It's it's terrible, but it's one of those things as a wedding DJ professional, as an entertainment professional, you get kind of hyped on, you know? Right. Um, considering all the other garbage, like over-compressed Lady Gaga and like Robin EDM, right like that kind of stuff like you're like, I guess in I guess in context there's something it's you know alluring about it more soulful and like real right and less like just dismal fucking compressed like loudness wars retail house yeah you know yeah the retail house that i'm here for you you agree sean <laughs> shapeshifters lola's theme yeah i'm into it what so here, here's a question if retail is going to be dead what what, what is the future what, of retail house if, what's the new handbag house dream <laughs> A bedroom DJ's wet dream when they can fantasize about all the wet retail house they listen to in the Zara dressing room. <laughs> you know? <laughs> okay, it's a really bad concept, but you know, you know, I'll be making that mix. <laughs> Just kidding. Yeah, it'll be it'll be the new VR. Is you know, like the the hottest VR title of 2030 is going to be walking around as Zara in you know 2011 with uh, <laughs> with handbag house. You know, like. Handbag house? Yeah, that's, yeah that's, that's 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 actually a name for it. Yeah. Oh, that's so good. I love it. I didn't hear that ever. I didn't know that. I think it's like and that's like a, a British term for like handbag house. Yeah, yeah, just kind of you know like shitty commercial house. Music. I'm dying. Shitty. Com- yeah. That is so good. Stuff I, you hear in Zara. Or, yeah. You know. Handbag house. Yeah. That's shapeshifters' lowest name for sure. <laughs> <laughs> 